Good morning, everybody. I'm Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. It's April 25th, 2023. We've got a good show for you today with the National Association for Gifted Children. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's all about culturally responsive teaching and gifted education, which is a very interesting topic. Okay, because we, we want to make sure gifted kids get everything they need, but they have the same challenges in making it engaging and culturally responsive as every other type of education. So it's really important that we do this. And, we, and thank you to NAGC, the National Association for Gifted Children. They put together a nice panel for us today, and I'm going to bring them on right now. Before I do, I'm just going to say go over to ace-ed.org. That's ace ed Dot .org that's the home uh, website where we're going to archive this show and everything we do is over there for the American Consortium for Equity in Education and without further ado I got this great panel here and we're going to start off with our NAGC representative Lacey are you there Yes hi Larry Hi, Lacey. How you doing? But did I tell you, did I, Lacey? Did I tell everybody I'm Larry Jacobs? Did I mention my name yet? <laughs> I'm not sure. I think so. <laughs> okay. Well, in case I'm Larry Jacobs, I forgot to put that part in. This is Education Talk Radio. Lacey, how you doing? You put together a nice panel here, and I just want people to know you're the director of content and learning for the National Association for Gifted Children. So welcome, Lacey Compton. Thank you. Are you down in Texas today or in D.C.? Where are you? I, I'm located in Illinois. Where, where are you in Illinois with a 512 area code? <laughs> right. I am located in, um, I'm located in normal Illinois, but originally from Austin, Texas. There you go, hence the 512. It's okay. Yes. Terrific. You, you going to graduate school there in normal? What's going on? No, just, doing? just living here with my family and normal right now. Okay, well, that sounds normal to me. Okay, we're going to move on. Matthew, Matthew, are you there? I am, Larry. How are you this morning? I'm fine. Everybody say hello to Matthew Fugit. Matthew is a, the provost. This is interesting, Matthew. Well, not to you, but it is to me. The provost and chief academic officer, because you already know this, at Bridges Graduate School. A part of Bridges Education, I looked this up on the on the web today, the Bridges Graduate School of Cognitive Diversity and Education. Okay, Matthew, welcome to the show, and tell me what all this is all about. What, what is Bridges Graduate School of Cognitive Diversity? I just learned about this this morning. Tell everybody. Brag about well, it. Well, I, I, I am happy. I am always happy to brag about, about the work that we're doing at Bridges. Um, we are a graduate school focused on uh, developing advocacy and leadership amongst our graduate students in the area of twice exceptionality. For those, so for those well, students who are gifted and also have additional uh, special education, learning, and behavioral needs. And so really proud of the work that our students are doing and the work of the graduate school in general. So um, it's very exciting. I, I, I work in L.A. I live in Houston. And yes. right now I'm coming to you from a hotel room in San Antonio where I'm attending a conference. So, there you, you know, go. 21st century life. <laughs> it is. Okay. We're, work in L.A., live in Houston, I got this right, and now in San Antonio today, right? Uh, uh, Santa Fe. Sorry, I said San Antonio, didn't I? That's Santa Fe. One of them. I, I don't know where I am on any given day. <laughs> are you in Santa? Wait, wait. Let's get this straight. Where are you in Santa Fe? Santa Fe. Yes, I'm in Santa Fe. New I Mexico love today. Santa Fe. Okay, there's I know, nobody in the beautiful. world who doesn't love Santa Fe. Okay, that, you can tell exactly. Santa Fe that. 
Okay. It's, I it's will. I will place. let them know you said hello. Wow, just great place. You have fun there today. Bag out all of your work and just go have fun at Santa Fe. Forget that. There Forget the work part. There's no point. Okay, Aaron, are you there? <laughs> Aaron? Good morning. Yes, I am. Aaron, I love your name because it's like a sentence. This is Dr. Aaron Fears Floyd. Okay, Aaron <laughs> Fears Floyd. I'm sorry about Floyd. Okay, I hope you don't have to fear him anymore by the time we're done. No, I'm only kidding. Aaron Fears Thank Floyd. You. Dr. Floyd is a gifted education, diversity, equity, and inclusion scholar, good for you, director of training and partnership development, and I love this acronym, for the Consortium for Inclusion of, uh, get this everybody, of underrepresented racial groups in gifted education, which actually is an acronym of URGE, U-R-G-G-E, which is amazing. The underrepresented racial groups in gifted education. Congratulations. That's a cool acronym. Congratulations, Thank Aaron. Thank you so very much. Thank That's you. a good one. i got to tell you. I mean, Aaron, have you been on the show with us before? Yes. Actually, several years ago I when remember. I served as director of professional learning at NAGC, yes. There you go. I, I remembered. Welcome you. back. Yes. Thank you so Welcome much for back. having me again. Are you kidding me? You're always welcome here. You're also a lecturer. Here we go again. I'm going to make fun now, okay, of poor Matthew. Okay, uh, Aaron is a <laughs> lecturer at Texas State University. Matthew, I want you to get this straight. She's in San Marcos, not San Antonio, not Santa Fe. Okay, San Marcos, Texas. We got that? Matthew? I, I know. It, it's all the sand. Okay. <laughs> Again, Matthew, just to be sure, where are you today? I am in Santa Fe. Okay. I love it. All right. That's fantastic. Aaron, glad to have you back here. i got to tell you, and I Thank love you. URGE as an acronym. It's just great. Thank Hi, you. Joy. And, Larry, just a clarification, I'm actually in Alabama. Who's in Alabama? Aaron. I live Aaron? in Alabama. I, yes. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> But you're a, le- you're a lecturer at Texas State in San Marcos, that's, right? That's correct. Yes, sir. Okay. So, but you're in Alabama. Okay. You're sure you're not in Santa Fe? I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. It's great. Okay. Where are you in Alabama? Where are you? I am in Opelika. I've actually in no Opelika. Okay. Cool. Excellent. Okay, that's yeah. great. Again, urge is yeah. great. Underrepresented racial groups and gifted education. Joy, how are you today, Joy Lawson Davis? I'm doing fine today, Larry. Good to be back on the show with you and with these it's other a pleasure two to have you great back. individuals there. They're my friends, and I'm excited about this work <laughs> with them. Yeah, very you do excited. Great work. Okay. Scholarship, I'm just going to read this, in Gifted Advanced Learner Programming. Your special expertise is in diversity, access, and equity in programming for students from, again, from underrepresented populations and culturally diverse students with multiple, now we go back to Matthew here, exceptionalities, and I think that's really cool. All right? It, it, it's, it's good stuff. And, you know, I, I always say this when I have NAGC on it, it's, Probably the gifted kids are probably the most overlooked because people really don't understand that. They assume gifted means, well, you can take care of yourself, and that's not true. 
Okay, and we don't have enough gifted educators out there trained in gifted education. We've got to do more of that. And then you have the double problem, which we're always concerned about, is equity. You've got to make an engagement for people. So um, I'm going to start off, and I'm going to have Lacey, I'm going to ask you to help me, okay? I'm going to throw these questions to Lacey, because I don't know who's the expert in what. Okay, do you want to do this, okay. Lacey, and then you can select who sure. you're going to ask? Is that good? Okay. Sure. So question one. Culturally responsive environments and practices are important for educators to consider, okay, when supporting gifted and high potential kids. I'm going to ask you, Lacey, are there enough places doing this? Do enough people who understand that, that it's just as important for the gifted kids as it is for the, the kid who is not gifted? Lacey from NAGC. Yeah, this is a, this Throw is it a to really the group, Lacey. Do it. Yeah, this is a really big issue for us and one that is a big key piece of NAGC's mission. Um, and so I'm going to let Joy speak to this question and share her work and thoughts around this topic. Joy, yes, you're on. Uh, absolutely. I'm really glad that uh, Lacey uh, asked us to be on your shows, Larry, before our session this <laughs> afternoon. But culturally responsive teaching for gifted students is particularly important because we know that gifted students, regardless of the community they come from or the, the part of the country they come from, they are some of the most curious, insightful, and compassionate students that we have in our schools. And because of that, when we teach them, we need to help them understand the broad scope of who we are as human beings. And then also show no hypocrisy or no, you know, discrepancies or no discrimination regarding culturally diverse groups, uh, individuals who may be different by income, individuals who may be different by exceptional conditions, because these kids will call us out. Even from a very early age, when they see hypocrisy and they see favoritism, mm. they see bias in the classroom. These kids, Larry, well. from the early childhood level will call us out. And so we need to be well prepared for that. And so we're so grateful for the work that's going on and Gifted Ed now bringing the culturally responsive strategies that others have done for many, many years into Gifted Education. And I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of this book that, uh, that Matt and Wendy Behrens and, and Cecilia Boswell pulled together. And uh, I've been I was added on to their co-editing group because well, we, we know that we need to understand these kids better, but we also need to make sure we're teaching them from a perspective of diversity and ensuring that their cultures and their differences, their norms, you know, their traditions as to who they are is included in all of our content. But teachers need to be taught how to do Yeah, exactly. Teachers, that's what I'm just going to say. Teachers need to be taught, A, teach, teach recognized gifted kids, but B, how to approach it this way. And Matthew, I didn't know about this book. Talk about this book. Matthew Fugit. So, uh, so uh, you know, during the pandemic when everybody was making bread, uh, we got a wild uh, idea to, to put together a book on culturally responsive practices in, in, in gifted education. And we really wanted to build upon the, the important work of Dr. Geneva Gay, of, of Dr. Gloria Latson Billings, um, and the work they did in promoting uh, and really building a framework for culturally responsive teaching for our black and brown students. Um, and, and we wanted to take that 
that work and, and move a step further, bringing it into gifted education and really looking at the intersectionality of, of identity of our, of our gifted students, not only racially and ethnically, but their gender orientation, sexuality, um, you know, their, their sense of, of self um, within their, their cultures and within their ethnicities. We wanted to talk about culturally responsive leadership and what that looks like on the school and district level. And so really building this, building upon this work and expanding it into our, into our really diverse population of gifted students. Um, and so really, I, 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 I told uh, several people when we were putting together this book, I said, at the end of my career, I will look back and I know that this will be the work I'm most proud of. And, and having oh, nice. to get, getting to work yeah. with my, all of my colleagues, with Joy, with Aaron, mm -hmm. with, with so many amazing scholars and advocates in our field to put this book together was truly a joy and an honor. Well, that's a nice thing to say, and I wish you the best of luck. What is the book called? Say the name of the book. Uh, Culturally Responsive Practices in Gifted Education. Okay, that's, that's fantastic. That's, that's the short I, I, title. I, 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 that's okay. It's exactly what it is, so that's a great title. Okay, and, and it is. So now i got to ask the question, you know the age in which we live. Okay? Yeah. yeah and there was just articles just yesterday about all the books that are being Banned, and I know this is not a library book per se. It's a professional development book, if I may, for professional educators. Okay, mm -hmm. but all the things that you just mentioned, which I totally, I totally disagree with what's happening out there, which is they're under fire. Okay, by fair, I'll say just from conservative groups. Okay, and you guys all live, except for, except for Lacey, you guys all live in fairly conservative states. Okay, yeah, and so I'm, mm -hmm. and so I'm curious. Okay. And we'll throw we'll throw Aaron into this mix, okay? Where are we when you talk about all that? And I agree with you that all these things need to be put into education so that kids who may be a little bit different in one way or the other feel comfortable learning, okay? That's a key thing. They're engaged in their own learning. They see themselves in their learning, all right? But in this day and age, and Matthew, I'm going to throw that question to you, but I want you to conclude that answer, get Aaron and Joy involved as well. Lacey, I'm taking over your job for a few minutes as moderator, as a semi-moderator. Okay. okay. You, did, you did a great job. You did a great job. And I just want to, <laughs> since we're going there, Matthew, take it from here. Involve, the, involve those two wonderful ladies in all this. Where are we in this day and age with what you hope to accomplish? You know, I I thought a lot about this, um, and, and and yeah, Joy and Aaron and I all live in in states where where this is directly under fire. And and you yeah, talked about 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 book bans, of uh, books in classrooms for students, but that ban is really extending into the professional development and the books yeah. that that can be used with our teachers and the type of training mm -hmm. they can that can be used. And I had a conversation with uh, a teacher in in Virginia uh, a few mm -hmm. weeks ago, and and she she was asking me, you know, how do we do this when we're in state? And, and I know uh, I told her, I said, you know, my husband and I have had had this conversation about Texas, uh, mm -hmm. and and if it if it got bad, what what was our escape plan? Yeah, mm -hmm. but then we yeah. got to talking about it. And we can't have an escape plan. Yeah, no. I grew up. I grew up in the heart of the AIDS crisis. 
silence equals death. Mm-hmm. That's the moment we're in right now in our culturally responsive practice. We cannot be silent. We cannot run away. It's too mm-hmm. important. We've got to show our kids, be those role models for our students that, to stay and fight the way we need to fight for this in, in, our, in our schools, in our districts, in our communities, and in our states. I I, I would yeah. I, I I agree with you and please don't misunderstand what I'm saying I absolutely agree with you and you are right silence is death okay that's <laughs> carry that over from the age academic where it was literally literal okay but uh, but my question is all that said okay again in full agreement and maybe Aaron wants to join in on this one Aaron how can we do this in in this day and age and I've been thinking a lot about this public schools are under tremendous pressure. And maybe we have to think outside the box. Do we need charter education for gifted kids that's more specialized for them? What do we do in this age, you know, when when saying when teaching anything about kids being African American, okay, is not good. When there's any kind of thing about sexual gender or anything is not good, according to certain governors. Okay. Mm-hmm. What do we do in this case? Okay. What do we well, do, Aaron? What are your thoughts on this? That it's all part and parcel of what we're talking about here. Yeah. Right. So many classroom teachers and even school and district leaders ask us all of the time, as Matt has mentioned, how do we approach this subject? How do we help uh, increase racial equity in our gifted education programs when the subject has become so taboo? relative to culturally responsive teaching, culturally relevant pedagogy, and there's this terrible label attached with these terms. Well, (laughs) the answer is that we have got to remove those labels, allow, centered around the very students sitting in the classrooms, looking to them for leadership and instruction. There's no better way to approach a sensitive topic than to peel back the layers, and allow everyone to have input that is based on true facts and research and real lives and experiences of the people they impact most. This cannot be um, banned if we're going to uh, improve the lives and experiences of our culturally different students. There are many educators out there who are seeking help And in order for us to provide the help that they need, we have got to be allowed to have these critical and courageous conversations about Mm -hmm. our students, their lives, their experiences, their learning abilities and preferences and interests in order to uh, make a difference. There's no way that we can be um, uh, mistreated or uh, banned from engaging in this critical work. I, I and again I'm going to say this again I agree with you okay but but school districts school there and I'll use Alabama you know and this is not, I believe me I'm not discriminating against all of Alabama or all of Florida or all of Texas but they are red states with strict governors as is Virginia there's some other ones okay right. there's a lot of a lot of pressure out there. Okay, and it's it's from conservative groups, and some of the things they do. I'm not a conservative person myself, but I I, I want to hear their side of the story. But they're putting pressure on teachers, okay, and educators to do the exact opposite. 
okay, which is painful, of, of what you are, all are saying. And I hear Joy in the background mm-hmm-ing every time. We all agree. I hear you, Joy. Okay, talk about what you want to say. How do we and – I, and, I, and again, with Matthew and Aaron, I agree, okay? But yeah. how do we handle this? And that's why I said, do we have to move outside of the box and create schools that actually can make this happen? In private education, I, I don't know what to do. Okay, yeah. it's you know because of the you know, political that, pressure. Go ahead, it, right. go ahead, Joyce. Whatever. We could yeah. do that, but then there would still be a huge underrepresented population who can neither afford uh, financially the private edu- private education nor be able to reach it because they may be so far away. We do have a lot of schools across the country that are private schools for gifted students, and they're doing wonderful work. But then there's these other students who are still out there who exactly, cannot okay. access. But what else? I'm, I'm looking at my calendar on the wall in my office right now, and I do a lot of independent work, uh, Larry, and, and, and Matt and, uh, and Aaron knew about the work that I do and the travels and the virtual work that I do all across the country. And what I've seen in the past two years, even in these states where there's a great deal of pressure around the language we use, should we use MT? Should we use equality? Should we say diversity? Should we say inclusion? You yeah. know, around all of that language. What I've seen is an increasing number. This is this is where I I mean I don't have the research on this, but I've seen an increasing number of local leadership using the funds that are being avail being made available to them through the federal government and through local mm-hmm. local funds, asking people like myself and Aaron and Matt to come in and train their teachers anyway. And so, you know, how they're getting around it locally the best way they can, and they're not stopping. Good. So as long as Good. they don't stop, we don't stop. And so if they call us and ask us, uh, do you think we should change the label of this? I've got all kinds of labels. I've got all kinds. I'm a, I'm a wordsmith. I'm a linguistic crazy person, you know. I've got all kinds of words to replace other words. If they want another word, i got a word, you know. So that's the other you know, and they, and they know us by now well enough through our, you know, through our outreach and, and through our, you know, our services locally and, and at the national level. They know when they can call us and say, can you help me with this? I still want my teachers. Like Matt yep. says about the book we put together, I still want my teachers to know what culturally responsive teaching is, and I still want them to have the training they need to have because we're failing at failing miserably, and we're, we're letting these kids down. The achievement yeah. gap is, is increasing. All kinds of things are happening yeah. locally. They can't even prove themselves to be the school districts they, they think they are without this work. And so, you know, if they want to get around it locally, they may be on the fire. They sign the checks. They put together the proposal, or they want to wordsmith it. We're going to do this work anyway. We have to be radical. You know, we have, I mean, I like this that. is me. I'm not speaking for anybody, but I'm, I'm quite radical and, and, and quite passionate about the fact that we have to, as you said at the beginning, we have to do better by looking out for all of these gifted kids, and then especially those who have been underrepresented or made Absolutely. invisible. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let me ask this. Okay. Thank you, Joy. Okay. Lacey, back to you. Lacey, where's NHGC on this? Lacey, where's NHGC on all this? 
Well, um, Larry, I just started with NHC a couple of months ago. Um, That's but, okay. You, you, just, but having you, you know equity you know. for in access, having equity and access for students is an extremely important part of the NHC mission and vision. Um, and so that's why we do things like this teacher summit where we do have a heavy focus on culturally responsive teaching and mm-hmm. equipping mm-hmm. educators with the practices that they need, um, with the tools that they can use, with having connections to people like Joy and Aaron and Matt that they can turn to when they need help. Um, that's a key piece of our, our mission is making sure that our members um, have what they need and the resources that they need when they come up against issues like this or when they they need help, uh, you know, making sure that all of their students can succeed. So um, that's that's one of the, the key pieces of what we do. Um, it's something we continue to work toward. We also host an equity symposium every summer. Um, and a big piece of that conversation at our equity symposium is this very conversation we're having today. Um, we're also hosting a colloquium in May, and, and we're going to ha- bring together a lot of thought leaders on the same, you know, topics about equity and access. So, um, you know, it's, it's a key piece of what we do. We're going to continue to work on giving our teachers everything we can to make sure that they're successful and they have the tools and connections they need. Um, so right now I think that's, that's our, our focus. And uh, we're really thankful that we have people like Matt and Joy and Aaron who are here as members and supporters of NAGC and can be out there in the communities um, working. And I, I loved what Joy said, as long as they don't stop, we don't stop. These three are tireless, yeah. as are so many NAGC members, and ensuring that we're, we're promoting equity and access for all students. Here, here. That was well answered, Lacey. Somebody's been there a few months, you quote, didn't sound it. You sounded like you've been there for years, okay? And someday you will be, okay, there for years. So, and thanks, Lace. So, all that said, Matthew, okay, are you back there, Matthew? I, I am. I'm, I'm with okay. you. Okay. Matthew, where are you? San Marcos, Santa Fe, or San Antonio? Let's get this straight, where are you? Santa Fe. Santa Fe. Beautiful <laughs> Santa Fe, New Mexico. Okay. Okay, Matthew, when you hear this, Lacey kept using the term, our teachers, our teachers, our teachers, and that's, a, that's the key question here. Mm-hmm. We don't have enough teachers, period. We all know that. The teacher retention and the, the pipeline is less. And I'm sure then you multiple, put the factor in the fact that we never have enough gifted educators anyway. Okay, so who are, this is the key thing, Matthew, and you're, you're, you're in the academic side, who are our teachers? How do we get this in, into everybody who's teaching gifted kids? Okay, which is a tough question. Okay, but you know we got to define who our teachers are. Matthew. Yeah, and I think you know our our teachers are certainly those who are on the ground fighting every day in, in those classrooms um, and getting to them, working with, with our school leaders, with our, our educators to provide them with that professional development to build those skills. But we also need to start looking at our educator preparation program and, yeah, yeah. and building more of this work into our educator preparation program. When I went, when I went through my, uh, my, my undergraduate work, um, I remember Let's. Not, we're not even. You know, culturally responsive wasn't even on the map, but gifted right. was a, a brief paragraph in a textbook on special yeah. populations 
that was really focused on special education, and it was never yeah, discussed. So if you did yeah, read by that the chapter or skip over I, I that the section, same thing. You're lucky you, you had the paragraph. When I was in teacher education, yeah. we didn't even have the paragraph. So go ahead. Yeah. Right. Unbelievable. Right. And so we, we have got to start building this into the work we're doing because we are not doing our, our, our future teachers. We are doing them a disservice. Mm-hmm. when when mm-hmm. we don't adequately prepare them for the students that they are actually going to be serving in their classroom. Mm-hmm. They're gifted students. They're culturally diverse students. The, 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 our students today, and Joy touched on this earlier, you know, the, these, gift, these culturally diverse students our, will challenge their teachers. Yes. When they see yes. the, yes. that hypocrisy that Joy talked about, yes. they will challenge them. And if we are not preparing our teachers for that reality, we've done them a disservice. And then we wonder why we can't keep teachers in the workforce. <laughs> and so we, we've got to do a better job. We've got to, we've got to get in there to, to prepare teachers, to prepare our principal candidates, to really understand the cultures of, of the students that they're going to serve and how this intersectionality of their their identities really affects their their learning and, and classroom uh, practices um, and, and how we differentiate instruction to really embrace um, the, the strengths that these students bring with them into our classrooms it's so important. I, I couldn't agree with you more and teacher education is a big part of teacher retention because if we, yeah. if we, if you go into a classroom and you're not expecting to see that classroom, okay, and you're just taught how to teach <laughs> generically, okay, you're going to be frustrated in your attempts to reach these kids. And as a result, you're not going to stay in teaching that long because who wants to be frustrated in their job? It all comes right. together. Okay, it's that it's that simple. And Aaron, okay, is, is a lecturer. Okay, and, and if I'm not mistaken, you're the you're you're in the the ground there. Okay, in San Marcos. Okay, when you're there, not Santa Fe, not San Antonio, San Marcos, <laughs> Texas. Okay, at TSU, Texas State State University. Okay, when you talk to your colleagues in in, in teacher education, Aaron. Okay, Dr. Mm-hmm. Floyd, what? what are they moving in the right direction with all this? So I'm going to step out and say uh, there are those who wish to get this right, but uh, many of those who make the decisions about the framework for the teacher preparation programs have not yet formally and officially included uh, gifted education uh, properly. Uh, at less, and, of course, they are in a gifted uh, specific program. So just general education, teacher prep programs, no. Again, there's now probably a chapter on gifted education and maybe <laughs> culturally different students who are also gifted. Went from a paragraph to a chapter? Yeah, we're good. Yeah, we're moving crazy. in the right direction. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, but I'll say this. In, in K-12 education, this was my experience for many moons as a gifted specialist and then coordinator, uh, the work of the gifted program is left to often one one individual. If there's only one gifted specialist in the district, that person tends to get the weight of the program. And then there may be the special education coordinator who 
uh, supervises uh, that individual and uh, program, but don't have the gifted specific pedagogy and experiences. So again, it's left to the specialist or the group of specialists if they're lucky to have more than one. Uh, and we can't exist on an island. You know, the success of the gifted program and the work of the gifted specialists uh, and the support of those gifted students, especially culturally different students, depends heavily on more people involved in supporting the program, um, making sure that the community and the school leaders are aware of the needs of our gifted learners, those from culturally different backgrounds. Yeah. It cannot just rest on one person. So there's a lot of work that still needs to be done in relation yeah. to uh, what happens in our university settings, preparing teachers to go out into the workforce and then supporting them when they get there. Yeah, yeah, and I want to ask you a question. I'm going to stay with you on this one, and then we'll swing it around to the group. Aaron, well, how come, maybe I don't know if you know the answer to this, why does gifted fall under special education? Okay. <laughs> okay. Where, where do the two, why is that? It doesn't seem to me that they necessarily need to run together like that or fit well, that gifted this. needs to fit under the umbrella. And I may be missing something, so help me out. So in some states it does and in others it does not. But the simple answer is uh, gifted and talented students require specialized learning, instruction, and opportunities and experiences in classroom. Uh, and because special education is levelized in such a way, uh, it seems a good fit. Uh, there are districts, again, who don't have gifted education under the, that umbrella. Uh, and then, again, there are those people who don't even believe that gifted students need specialized learning. They think that everything just comes easy to them, and it's a, it's a wash, but it's not. Uh, we, we've no, mentioned loosely um, the um, twice exceptionality and even thrice exceptionality of our gifted students from uh, minoritized and marginalized backgrounds who are also uh, gifted and may have a learning disability. And it takes, you know, very specialized instruction to meet these students' needs. So even though many special educators and uh, coordinators will say, well, gifted is not, you know, my area, even though it falls under my purview, again, the work um, and the specialization is under the auspices of the gifted specialist. But, yes, uh, there are many students who have oversight abilities. You know, they may have, again, a learning disability. Um, they need the depth of rigor and the complexity in instruction, and you have to know how to differentiate instruction for them and provide yep, exactly. I agree with that. You know, mm -hmm. and, and, and it just happened that many state policies included under special education. Yeah, you know, even it seems to me, and that's a, gifted, that's a good like, answer, but it seems to me <laughs> if you have gifted kids in your school district, I mean, this is a PR move. I hate to put it, boil it down to that. But if you've got mm -hmm. gifted kids in your school district and you're doing the best you can for gifted kids, a lot of those kids are going to do very, very, very well, okay? Mm -hmm. And that reflects very, very well on a school district. And school mm -hmm. districts always love to tell the great stories. And maybe it's time, maybe it's time and I'm, I'm not saying I'm right here because I'm no expert in this, but, but they have to really accentuate gifted education. This is good yeah. for them, and it gives other yeah. kids something to strive to. Okay? I'll go yeah. to Joy on this one. Joy, am I off the charts here or whatever? Where am I on this one? 
Joy. Yeah, no, you're not. No, you're not at all, Larry. And that's what I think is happening locally. I think that once we started going about the place a few years ago, we really got charged up about advocacy. We things like you have to harness all the brain power and that you have. You, we have to compete internationally, and we can't do that unless we're finding and developing all the talent. So we started saying that real loud and repeatedly to school districts, and they started getting a message. And then local local communities started saying, look, you know, I had a kid that went through a program like that, and now he's working working for NASA. Or, you know, I have a a person they're an editor for, you know, know, for the greatest – for one of the greatest uh, publication companies in in the nation, and so you you're right. The community has has started putting pressure on the locality. The locality yeah. has started trying to do what makes sense, and that's to look for giftedness across all of their population because it tells a much better story than the story that says you're being discriminatory, you're being racist. You're being, you know, you're underrepresenting. That story uh, is one that people don't want to keep telling over and over again. Exactly. They don't want to hear that story. They don't want to. They don't want to be labeled with I'm an underrep. My school district is underrepresented. See, with the gifted students in certain populations, the data data does not lie. Then we have the Office of Civil Rights that that's after school districts pretty regularly now when they are discriminating. If somebody calls in and makes a complaint. So, you know, I'm working with a district right now, very, a very big district. They've done some great work. But all of a sudden, here comes OCR, and they're saying, you know what, you're not doing a good enough job. So it, it, it was, it's much better to tell the great story than it is to have yourself yeah. labeled um, exactly. in this day and time. Uh, this is a time for this nation to change again, turn things around. And I think that's where, why we're hearing so much from these districts and why uh, the work that we do is is much more popular now than it's, and I just think it's just going to get more and more popular. And I appreciate you know uh, Lacey pulling us out and all of us really do this together for the summer this afternoon. So yeah, I think we're on our way. Uh, I think so. I agree with you yeah. totally, totally. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and there's a, you brought up an interesting point. Okay. Uh, the the whole key, and, and this is actually f- funny in, in my own thing. You know, I grew up in a Jewish neighborhood in Philadelphia nineteen in the nineteen fifties and sixties. And if I if you asked any of the mothers on the street, the entire street, every child was gifted. Okay, and they just yeah. nagged the school district to death. Okay, the only one who wasn't gifted was me. Every other kid in the world, all twenty five thousand of them, was gifted. Okay, and the parents were raised hell if you didn't treat it that way. Okay, and it, and with the brown kids and the black kids, the parents are not used to thinking of their kids as gifted. Okay, but if the parents start to think of it and push it, the school districts react. And I don't care where they are. I don't care if they're in Alabama or Texas or Wyoming or, or Pennsylvania or wherever. It's the parents that make a difference. Okay, right. and if the parents push for 
a stronger look at finding kids who are gifted and really working to make them better. It's better for everybody. Okay, it's it's got to be a a parental response from the community. Right. Okay, and, and that's what. And who disagrees? Matthew, do you disagree with me? Come on, Matthew, disagree with me. No, you don't disagree with me. No, I, no, I I I think I, I think you're right, and that yeah. that hinges on on. We, you know, one of the things I, when I was, was teaching undergraduates um, in a teacher prep program, one of the first things I, I would remind them is that when they're, when they're standing in front of that classroom on the first day of school, they're not only the educator for the students that they see sitting in front of them, they're the mm-hmm. educator for those families. Yeah, and absolutely. so we need, as as teachers, as educational leaders, as districts, we need to do a better job of engaging mm-hmm. our parents and our communities with these for where where our our students are coming from. Right. We need right. to do exactly. a better job of educating yeah. them, letting them know that these opportunities are there, and how are we going to support exactly. them. How are we going to support them in, mm-hmm. in, in this process? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's vitally important. We, we, we've got to bring our, our families and our communities into our classroom. Right. We've got to we recognize do. them as partners in yes. this process. And that's so, the pressure so, that makes and, the difference. Go ahead. Who's talking? Is that, is that Aaron or is that Joy? Who's this? This is Joy. I just want to um, – Go ahead, Joy. This is a plug – but my book, Bright, Talented, and Black, A Guide for Families of Black Gifted Learners, uh, second edition came out in January of this year. And um, it is uh, being pulled into school districts now. Oh, and what they're beginning to do is they're purchasing copies of the book to give to parents here, at, here. Their, uh, at their forums, you know, at their parent sessions, at their council meetings. Um, and they 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 want their parents to learn more, but that's what, as Matt says, that's what this book is all about. It's all about teaching parents about what the benefits of gifted education are, but it also tells some of their stories that are not so happy. You know, it tells some of the sad stories mm-hmm. where you know there was challenges in school districts about why they would not identify the gifted kids, uh, but it does tell the true story. So it's a you know, it, it it it's catching on fire. I think this time around, the sec the first edition came out in 2010. It was a little slower, you know, you know, being accepted. But now it's much more. Again, we're in a different time now. Yeah, I was um, just going to so say the times as, they are ever changing. The times they are, are changing. That's right, and that that's making a difference for how people are accepting. The school districts are accepting their role to educate parents. Like Matt just said, to educate the parents so they can advocate they have, better. They've got what's the name? Say the name of your book again. Bright, talented, and black: a guide yeah, for family, go. black gifted learners. Yeah. Yeah, and we're we're missing a lot of kids. Okay, and thank you for writing a book like that. Okay, and it's a, it's it's the it's the parents that gotta. They've got to make this happen. And believe me, no principal, no superintendent wants the parents nagging them to death and being angry. Okay? They respond. 
they, they respond. Mm-hmm. They really do. And I don't like I said, I don't care where you are. Okay, we got to go in a few minutes here. I got to thank all of you. This was just great. I really enjoyed it, Matthew. Thank you so much. Okay, much appreciated. Thank you, Larry. And enjoy Sam wherever you are. Oh, you kidding me? I loved it. It was great. Aaron, Aaron, thank you, Dr. Aaron Fierce Floyd. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you. Thank you. And by the way, again, the acronym, I'm going to say it again, Underrepresented Racial Groups in Gifted Education. Okay, she's the Director of Training and Partnership Development. That's URGE. I love that. Okay. And she teaches and it's over actually Sam. I urge, and the I, I is for inclusion of, so it's like, yes, we urge, I urge inclusion of underrepresented racial groups and gifted education. I don't know how you came up with that acronym, but that's pretty amazing, i got to tell you. <laughs> it actually, actually makes sense. Okay, it's a good one. Okay, Joy, thank you, and I'm glad you wrote that book. Thank you, Joy Lawson Davis. You did good. <laughs> thank you. Okay, Lacey, you. are you there? Oh, you're welcome. I'm Lacey, here. are you there? Yes. Lacey, yes, thank I'm you. Here. You were great. Thank you, Lacey. What thank can you. I say? Thank you were terrific. Okay? Okay. We'll talk to you all again. Okay? Please share. By the way, we we, were, we have our magazine. Go over to ace-ed.org, A-C-E-E-D.org. Our magazine's all about equity and access, and we're always more happy to take articles from you folks, okay, about all the things that you care about. We have a big audience. Okay, so that's an open invitation. Okay, so you know the publisher. The publisher is yours truly. Okay, and then I'll introduce you to the real power. I'll introduce you to the real power behind the throne. That's Maya Appleby, our editor. Okay, but she would love to hear from you guys. Okay, and I can arrange that. All right, so please. Wonderful. Don't be shy. We'd love to hear from you. Okay? Thank you all. Okay? And have a great day, whatever stand you are in. Have a great day, everybody. <laughs> It's in, in San Normal, San Houston, okay, San, San Virginia, San Alabama, and Santa Fe. Okay, everybody have a good day. Okay? You too. Thanks, Kim, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Bye-bye. What a great group, huh? Wow. Okay, and I say and thank you for all this. Hey, everybody, we're going to archive this show. Share it over at ace-ed.org, A-C-E-D. .org, the American Consortium for Equity in Education. That's us. Thank you, NAGC. At NAGC.org, I'm Larry Jacobs. Have a great day.